ever dreamed that one day, no matter how long it may take us, as long as we have faith in our cause and uh, an unconquerable willpower, knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. This is a time of challenge to our interest and our values. And it's a time to test our wisdom and our skills. This will not be a campaign of half measures. And we will accept no outcome but victory. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. Read my lips. We will respond forcefully. Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far. Cause you know it don't matter anyway. Say money, money won't get you too far, get you too far. We're live. It's happening. What a great song. Yeah. Today's episode it's is brought how, to you by... a lot of people are going to feel. Yeah. 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 Today's episode is brought to you in part by yeah. Hall and Oates, but mostly Hall. <laughs> we were just talking about this. Uh, the idea of Oates and Garfunkel, who is this new folk duo comedy thing, but just how like Daryl Hall made Hall and Oates. And how uh, Oates... <laughs> always said that he was the um, best paid backup singer, <laughs> which is That's so awesome. awesome. So, so yeah, good. you can rely on your old man's money. Thanks a lot, government. You're ready to finally give us some money. Yeah, I mean. No thanks is... to the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking is... scum of the earth. This is, uh, this is, you know, a really big deal, I, I think. It, it is important that they finally get this out. I, I think there's some criticism to be had on <clears throat> the Democrats' side of things because essentially they're giving out less money, less checks than what happened during the CARES Act for, for Donald Trump, which was about $2.2 trillion with more people receiving checks, higher unemployment benefits, et cetera. And the Democrats went in for that amount, but they tried to do this whole bipartisanship bullshit. And I, I think it really kind of will cost them in the long run in terms of how people feel about the job they're doing. And, you know, it was almost unanimous that the CARES Act passed, the, the $2.2 trillion you know, act uh, when Trump was in office because, you know, Republicans and Democrats both came out and said, like, we need to do this for the American people. And <clears throat> I think because Trump was president, it looked good as a Republican president doing this. Republicans and, and Democrats will go with that because they care about, you know, the people, hypothetically. And when it's a Democratic president, you saw zero Republicans vote in favor of this bill. So I, I think that's pretty a pretty stark contrast and in, in you can see the division in in politics right now. Well, and it's you know another thing to note here too is it's really um, a good idea to keep in mind the wise words of uh, Mitch McConnell, 
here um, in that um, if you give people this unemployment money, this extra unemployment money, nobody's going to go back to work, Brian. Everyone's going to yeah. stay jobless. Everyone's going to uh, stay latched on to the government teat. Um, and we're all screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, I think I was reading a piece. I don't know if it was on CNN or MI Times or where, but <clears throat> it was making the bold claim that Biden has the chance to be one of the most transformative presidents mm. since, you know, FDR, which is true because there's so much at stake here with, you know, climate change, with energy, with job, you know, the need for job growth, the wealth gap, education, you know, finishing off this pandemic, all of these things, <clears throat> there is this great opportunity. And, and <clears throat> with this, Brian, upcoming knock, it off, bill, knock it off with the whole COVID act right now. Okay. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm just giving you, Brian, oh. basically I jumped in to give Brian a chance to clear his throat. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I didn't use it because I started fighting back like an idiot. Anyways, <laughs> With with the Democrats here, I think they just miss this opportunity at a chance to really be that transformative power that, you know, that <clears throat> I'm so sorry uh, that like AOC came out and said, like, hey, this is our chance to to really legislate massive change that will be very beneficial to the average American mm -hmm. and. I, I think they missed it. it. It's also, you know, there's a person in within their party, you know, Manchin, Senator Manchin, I believe of West Virginia. He's out there, you know, trying to be this crusader for, you know, the centrist, moderate Democrat that he is and that he's trying to play to. And it's like, there, there's times to be centrist. There's times to like say, whoa, 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 let's push the brakes a little bit on, on progress until we can do it efficiently and fiscally responsibly. And then there are times where you are absolutely in the hole and you have to figure a way out and you know, you can't just keep digging. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, but at least at the very least we're getting this money out in spite of the Republican party. Yeah. And I, I think that's the most important part. Um, Cause I think that you and I are probably both in agreement on the fact that I think the bill was, there was there's there's a whole lot that we missed out on that I would have liked to have seen. Um, I I mean I also would have liked to have seen it passed unanimously. Um, yeah. You know, or, or by a very large majority, which obviously it didn't. Um, but I guess we could have called that too because you and I have been saying, gosh, over the course of the last couple of months, we've been <laughs> saying um, there's this challenge for some sort of bipartisanship that's just. It's going nowhere. We're not getting any help. The Republicans are, are definitely, um, they're, I think their minds are in the toilet. Well, and, and here's the thing is like <clears throat> the Democrats were negotiating in good faith, essentially, right? They, they said, fine, you want to, you know, tweak the unemployment benefits. You want to change the targeting. Uh, you want to get rid of the $15 minimum wage portion of the bill. <clears throat> we'll do these things if you negotiate in good faith. So they got rid of the $15 minimum wage portion of the bill. That's gone. That's out. Then you have the unemployment benefits went down, I believe a hundred dollars. Correct. Yeah. It was supposed to be four. Now it's three again. Yeah. Now it's, it's back to three. Yeah. The Democrats pushed it back up. It, you know, the original cares act was 600 plus. Right. And then, you know, it went down to three. And now the Democrats tried to push it back up to four. And instead they said, okay, well, we'll just keep it at three, you know, plus the unemployment benefits. And then you also had the targeting. So who actually qualifies for this? It went down from a hundred thousand dollars as a single person down to 75 and from $200,000 down to one hundred and fifty. Well, something that you brought up, I think it was actually in our last podcast um, yeah. on uh, Wednesday, um, is that they're going based off of 2019 tax returns. So even if a person made $100,000 in 2019, they could have been out of work 
for all of 2020. You know what I mean? And they could still right. be out of work now. And I think I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, well, you have to do a deep dive probably, but I had said I think they should just give everyone to everyone checks. Fuck it. Just give everybody checks. And then if people make over a certain amount of money, then you just tax it back on them at the end of the year or something like that. Um, that yeah. way, and because I, I feel like we could have pushed it through the system even more. Um, and I did really want to, I wanted to comment really quickly on what you were saying about uh, what the Republicans did to to change the bill and, and negotiating in, really, in, in bad faith. Um, it's kind of like when your, your, your child misbehaves and you reward them for misbehaving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And by reward, I mean like you give them something to kind of... <laughs> For all you parents out there, you give them something to shut them up. <laughs> um, you give them the lollipop. Yeah. yeah, you give them the lollipop. You're like, Daddy's trying to cook dinner right now. Um, I would never give my kids lollipops that late at night, but whatever. Um, I'm like, I'm really weird about like cavities and stuff like that. I'm like so worried that my children Fair will enough. get cavities. <laughs> Fair enough. But anyways, um, Shoot, where was I? I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Oh, um, so so it's, so it's like so we've been doing this with the Republicans for so long now, um, yeah. and this is uh, I'm really I'm I'm going down this route for Pete, one of our listeners, um, Pete H, um, who told me that I've been too soft on the Republicans, so I'm letting them have it today. Um, <laughs> it, it excites me. I'm I'm yeah. All well, for it's it. just like we've done this before. We've done this before. The Democrats have come in, and it's it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like the the nerdy kid coming up against the big bully, and you know what I mean. He's just trying to make the big bully happy so the big bully doesn't beat him up. And it's that same way yeah. in Congress. We negotiate, they negotiate, they negotiate, and you know what I mean. It's the same result every time. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Whatever the thing is, fool me three times. Well, six hundred seventy sixth time in the last twenty years. Yeah. Well, then you're fucked. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, it, that's a that's a great point. And when we're when we're looking at this, you know, the Overton window has shifted so dramatically because of the Trump administration. What I mean by that is this. They shifted the political spectrum so far right that it seems like, you know, centrists like a Biden or, you know, remember Trump during the campaign was calling Biden a radical liberal. Right. And for his supporters that hear that, you know, they latch onto that and they don't acknowledge the fact that he is not a radical progressive. No, he's about as as center Democrat as you can get. Yeah. I mean, you know, in Manchin is is, you know, from West Virginia, the one that's like kind of been this this post up for the Republican Party right now is kind of how the Democrats could rely on like the Murkowskis and Collins for being very moderate comparative to or a Romney comparative to the rest of the, the Trump supporting right. Now <clears throat> the Republicans have Manchin who they're kind of using as this linchpin of like, Hey, if your own party isn't going to buy into this, we don't need to either. And we can drag it way far right again, where we're having you cut, <clears throat> you know, minimum wage expectations. We're cutting um you know the unemployment benefits we're cutting you know the target range for these and here it is you're supposed to be doing these things for the 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 american people and they're expecting this and all of a sudden now you're doing less than trump did like they the republicans can now hang their hat and they will in two years they will hang their hat on the fact that they got the american people more money than than the biden administration and more people more money you know what i mean not just just the the amount the the number of people in general too yeah and and, and in reality the true narrative is they were obstructing this money from even getting out right the the democrats had planned you know months and months and months ago two thousand dollars a month right right as a benefit package out in the house right that that was what was going to pass under the pelosi democrats of the house you know schumer was on board etc but they were never going to get it to the senate because of mcconnell well now mcconnell's out there's no excuse to not be pushing a very very progressive agenda so i understand this idea of bipartisanship you tried. This is a learning lesson for the Democrats for the next two years. But will they learn and, from it is the question. No, no, they never do because they're they're so afraid of upsetting the Trump base. 
listen, you're not going to win everyone over. You are not going to win every single state in the in the United States. It's just not going to happen. So stop trying to win over rural Wyoming. Stop. Yeah. Right. If you're helping more people in Texas is, you know, <clears throat> their governor lifts the mask mandate and all of a sudden, you know, COVID starts to spike and Ted Cruz decides to run to, you know, Costa Rica this time or wherever he wants to go when there's a crisis, you can come in. This is what was great about AOC. Like shit hit the fan in Texas. Who was there? The Democrats were coming in from other states, other districts to make, to make amends, to, to try and help the people of that area, regardless of party affiliation. Right. So you need to capitalize on those moments. You use your power to help American people when you can. 68% of Americans were in favor of the stimulus bill, right? As it was with the $15 minimum wage, with the expanded unemployment benefits, with the higher targeted range for the checks. So what are you doing even negotiating? There is no negotiation. When 68% of the country's constituents are speaking up and saying, hey, we need this, we want this, we we pay into the government for these moments, that's when you step up and just say, bipartisanship be damned, we're doing what's right for American people, and that you can hang your hat on later on. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all about how you spin that story too, and that's why it's you know I mean that's why it's so beneficial for the Republicans, and that's probably why they stay in office as long as they do, and why their their numbers haven't dwindled already is because they can take an opportunity like this. We gave more money during a Republican president. Um, it's it's really disappointing. It's really disheartening. Um, I did want to get your thoughts on Schumer. And how you think yeah. he handled everything? Because he got a ton of praise from Biden when Biden did his little like, um, oh, the Senate passed the bill thing, his little press conference. So what do you what do you think? Do you think he did enough? Um, I think I kind of know based on what you've been saying already, but yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. So I I do think Schumer has done a really nice job regarding you know you can only do so much when you have the entire rest of the party or the entire rest of the Senate, you know, so the entire Republican side is a brick wall. They will not work with you at all. Right. And then you have someone who like Manchin, who is a quote unquote centrist who sits in West Virginia, which, you know, is a very purple state. You would say, you know, it's uh, probably easily could swing to to being a red state so you know i do understand that he has to cater to his constituents and all that the problem is is if if he would have just been more supportive of these things they would have pushed it through we would have seen the policy enacted as it as it was supposed to be and it would have been far more powerful and what i mean by that is this you know in what was it 2008 when Obama passed the Affordable Care Act, you know, they were able to push things through. They had all these different amendments that came through that slowly but surely weakened it. And and over time, we never saw the true full potential of the Affordable Care Act. Now, me personally, I still don't think it ever would have been as good as a universal health care program or any, you know, socialized Medicare, whatever. But we never saw the true potential of it because the Republicans were allowed to redline this, amend this, and <clears throat> go on and so forth. And, and, and we had to do it in a bipartisan fashion. And it, it is very similar to what is happening here with the Republicans were able to steamroll the Democrats with their $1.9 trillion tax cut. Right. They were Mm -hmm. able to do it. It was exact, almost the exact same amount of money, one point nine trillion dollar tax cut in the Trump presidency in 2017. And they were able to steamroll through with the reconciliation process. You know, Democrats couldn't filibuster. Fine. It went through and they got it done. The Democrats had the same ability to do that here, but they were so focused on winning over all Americans. Hey, look. Republicans and Democrats can work together to solve issues. They wanted to do that. And it keeps, it keeps biting them in the ass because they don't get everything they need. It's less potent than it should have been. And while it is still very, very beneficial, right? People getting money 
this is a very, very good thing. Extended unemployment benefits, <clears throat> you know, more money to businesses and schools, et cetera. These are all very, very good things. More money to the vaccination rollout. Yeah, but, I think this that's that's a good and that's something that we we should focus on really quickly as you continue here is this is very positive that this passed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's awesome. Um it doesn't necessarily go without saying. So we should mention that I mean this is this is fantastic. Finally people that need this money are going to get this money. Um hopefully within a matter of, you know, Weeks. a week or so, yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah, I mean the bill is the be, the bill to go back to the house. Yeah, but it'll pass the house no problem. And then um, Joe Biden has to sign it by March 14th or the whole thing is off. That is not, that's not enough time. Well, I mean, it it is, it is enough time, but it's, it should be, it should be because here's the difference, right? Here's the big difference is it goes back to the house. The house Republicans might try and fuck with it just the same way as, as the house senators or the house or Senate Republicans did. Right. The Senate Republicans had this thing called the Votorama, where they presented amendment after amendment after amendment, trying to stall the process. And then Ron Johnson had him, you know, read out the entire bill on the floor, 600 plus pages. And it was able to get done and finally voted on. Pelosi won't let that shit fly. I don't know what the big difference is, but she will not let that fly. She will crack the whip. Make sure her party is ready to go, sign this bill, and get it out to Biden. I guarantee you it's it's through the House and, and approved by Monday. You she think will so? not let them go. Oh, I, was thinking, I, guarantee. I was thinking Wednesday. I was going to give it till Wednesday. Oh, I think I think they'll have this. This will be out, out of the House probably by Monday, if not early Tuesday. Okay. She, will, she will make sure that people don't get to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's going to crack the whip and she's going to get this done because there's enough, you know, waffling and and hemming and hawing and like, oh, we're back and forth and oh, we need to, you know, and and she has every justification to say this isn't good enough. Right. Like we we gave up too much. But at this point, the Democrats are pushed up against a wall like they don't have a choice. Like if they don't get this done, who's to say the Republicans don't go the next time, if it doesn't get signed by the 14th, the Republicans then say, you know, we we came to negotiate. We passed it. You guys messed around with it. We just don't trust you. We're out. And they never come back to the table. And then you're like pulling at straws and trying to make this and avoid filibuster. They, they have to get this done. And, you know, that's we had talked, you know, months and months ago about this. And I was like. The the Republican Party will always do whatever they can to obstruct from here on out. You know, they lost the election, but they think they can win the war. And how do you do that? By obstructing every single step of the way, which is what they do ever since Obama became president. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I really wish I, I wish I knew what it was that makes politicians the way that they are. Not all politicians, but a, a vast majority of it. And it, I, I feel like it's one of two things. First, well, maybe one of three things. One of three things, we'll say that. Because the first would be the money that's involved with politics. And I know that plays a large role because they've got to keep their donors happy and you know, there's, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The sure. second one, I think, is probably that a lot of the people in Congress have been there forever. Uh, for far, far, far too long. Um, and, and so maybe that has something to do with it, which kind of ties in with my third point or my third uh, reason, I think, that maybe they are the way they are. And that kind of, when we were talking about Myanmar, um, there was that really great quote, and it was something along the lines of um, how po- power ultimately corrupts because you fight to stay in power. You don't want to lose that power yeah. once you've gained it. But I mean, whatever. If it's all three of those, if it's a you know a mixture or one or the other, it doesn't matter. It's it's really disappointing to like see the way that Congress acts, um, and how there's almost like and and again, some some politicians more than others, um, there's like a complete lack of. I don't know if it's empathy or I think they just lost that connection with the the everyday 
people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, three really good points there. You know, the first, the first part with the idea that they've been there so long, right? Here's the thing is we are the term limits. And, and one of the best aspects of, for me, the whole AOC story, right? Is that she didn't replace a Republican. She replaced a Democrat that she didn't think was doing well enough. The, 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 the Democrat was, wasn't progressive enough, wasn't, you know, really focusing on mi the middle and lower class of America. You know, he was taking those large donor dinners and stuff like that. So she stepped in, she stepped in and primaried him, which is like kind of a new term, like, oh, we'll primary you. Well, that should be the mentality is, hey, we don't have to give up the seat to the other party just because someone's not doing a, a strong enough job. Find someone that's going to do a better job, right? Primary that person. Get someone in that's going to represent the constituents properly. Yeah, I wonder. I wish I I, I agree. Um, you know, I've said this before. I think AOC does some great things. I'm not her biggest fan policy wise. Sure. Um, sure. But I, I do wish more people would do that. And I think maybe they don't because it's such a daunting task. You know what I mean? To build those funds, to get the backing, to get your name out there and everything like that. I'm sure yeah. it's no easy task, uh, but we certainly need much more of it. And I know you, you've said that before about we are the term limits, and you're absolutely right. Um, and I think we both made mention of the fact that, like, we need to be doing a better job. Like, I, I joke about this all the time that, like, I hold stake in the U.S. and that they, they all work for me um, and yeah. I'm their boss. Um, and it's, you know what I mean? Even though I say it jocularly, I mean it somewhat seriously too, because like we shouldn't, we need to act like a boss. Like if you're not doing your job correctly, it's time to replace you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's true. And, and, you know, you know, some other things that you had said was like, oh, they've been there a long time. You know, I want you to think of someone like, you know, Michael Jordan or, or a Kobe Bryant, who is the best at their game, their skills over time diminish, yeah. but their wisdom and experience really pays dividends to make up for those things. And someone like a Mitch McConnell has learned all of the intricacies, all of the loopholes, all of the strategy, the tactics, whatever you need to remain in power, you know, as it says, you know, that the quote from Myanmar, um, you know, to, to stay in power, they learn all of these techniques. And if you think about it, it's like a, a, a game of king of the mountain right? Everyone is gunning for you. They want that power. So you are doing everything you can slowly but surely to put the pieces around. So you are, you know, fortressed, right? You, you know, it's a game of chess where we're moving pieces. You don't always have to, you know, be hyper aggressive and, you know, take the queen right away, put them in check and do this and that, you know, if you're overly aggressive, what ends up happening is you put yourself in a very, very bad position on, on the counterattack. And that's what McConnell is doing right now. If, if you think he's, you know, sitting there licking his wounds because the Republican Party isn't in power. No, 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 no. He's fortifying his defensive position right now. How can we obstruct as much as possible to then counteract or counterattack in the midterm elections and hopefully win the House or the Senate? Because it, it's... There are there are a lot of states up for grabs at this midterm election. You know, Georgia flipped blue with its two senators in voting for Biden. But Warnock is already up for re-election, right? That was a special election. He doesn't get his full six years. You know, Kelly out in Arizona is up for re-election in, you know, Arizona. And like, well, I think he's a, a, a tremendous figure and I think he should be able to retain. You know, there's a lot of action going on within the GOP out in Arizona, Right. There's still a very, very strong base of Republican voters. And, and when we're looking at all of these states that either flipped one way or the other, you know, that base might flip flop without a presidential, you know, a presidential candidate, um, you know, on the ticket, people lose that motivation. Right. People are less likely to go out and vote in an off year in a midterm election as opposed to a major election with the president and vice president on, on, on the bill. So I, I think that's a, that's a major factor going into these midterms that, you know, McConnell is doing everything he can in a very subtle defensive stance 
but it's going to be effective. And that's why I think the Democrats really need to start focusing on steamrolling the Republican Party. Stop worrying about, oh, well, we don't have the votes to stop a filibuster. Get rid of the filibuster then. Oh, well, we don't have enough votes for this. You know, we, we or we have the votes for this, but it's it's going to be 50-50 and we got to go to Kamala again to break the tie. Do that every goddamn time then. Get it done. If this is your agenda, get your agenda done in the next year so when the midterms start happening, you can point back and say, hey, look, Joe Biden was able to secure 200 million doses of the vaccine. The timeline was late summer. Now we're going to have enough vaccines for every adult in America to be vaccinated by the end of May, should they choose, which they should. We are going to have you know, a system in place going forward for pandemics like this because we're seeing new strains in other countries. We're seeing the mishandling in third world countries that don't have the ability, the financial resources, the logistical resources to make this happen. And there will be a mutation. This will come back again, unless we, you know, treat this as a global community, but you hang your hat on those things, right? You push forward with those things. You push forward and say, hey, listen, we were able to set up a new immigration system that is more beneficial to the United States. It's very secure and it's beneficial for those seeking asylum, those people trying to come over legally. We have a new system, right? We're, we're moving towards green energy. Look at what we're already accomplishing in the first year. You know, people forget Joe Biden hasn't even been president for a hundred days. Right. Like that's a, that's a really surprising thing for a lot of people. He's been president maybe 50, 60 days. You know, those first 100 days are very crucial. We talked about that on, on a podcast in the past, how crucial these first 100 days are. And he has been very successful. Now, while I do say, you know, I don't like the, the, the carceral process happening right now on the border where, yes, they're like little mobile units and they're not cages, but it's still not good enough. I think they, they should have done better on the stimulus package, but they still passed one. And then we have like the vaccine. Like, so there are good, there are good things and bad that have happened so far, a lot more good than bad. But like, if you're going to go into the midterm elections, you better damn well know you have a bunch of things to fall back on and say, Hey, here's what we accomplished in the first two years. Well, it's time to stop. It's, it's time to finally take that page out of the Republican playbook. You know what I mean? They've seen the Republicans do it time and time again. You know what I mean? They, if the Republicans want to do something, they get it done. They don't care what it takes. They don't, you know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, you know what I mean? It's not always for the benefit of the people. Um, no, but it's t it's time for the the Democrats to do that, and I don't know why they just keep like uh, you know sidestepping that. Because because a win at all cost mentality is is not a central me mentality. It's not a centrist moderate mentality. I understand and that. Have, yeah, I understand that. But like you have too many people saying, "Well, we want to be moderate. We want to be centrist. We want to, you know, Biden isn't a progressive. You know, the the lefty progressive wing is too radical. We don't want that." Well, this, these are all, but those is what you, these yeah. are, these are, these are all just, those, those are all just excuses. You Republicans, know what I mean? Yeah. But, but the Republican, no, they're not excuses. That's the truth is that's a centrist mentality. No, I understand. We don't want to go too far too fast. So, you know, you can't just shake that centrist mentality when a strong part of your base is like that. Whereas the right does not give a shit, right? They don't give a shit. The base will absolutely destroy the libtards. They don't give a shit. The, the politicians say we're going to win at all costs and do the certain things that we want to do because that's what's keeping us in power with our donors. And the people aren't holding them accountable. You don't see people saying, wait, I voted Republican. I voted Republican and look at this. I'm not going to get money because 50 Republicans are trying to stop me from getting money. The Republicans are sitting there having the entire bill read on the floor like it's some sort of circus act. My $1,400 is constantly under negotiation. The possibility of me getting a better wage is constantly under negotiation. 
Why is it that what the people I vote for are constantly trying to be against me, right? But that's not what happens. That those constituents are not holding the Republican Party responsible. So they get to completely shift the Overton window. They get to shift the political spectrum so far right that the center was at the edge of what the Republicans used to stand for in the in the early 90s. Well, we I mean, really, we have Thomas Jefferson to thank for this. Because what, because now because, well, he was like the first person to like to start like the whole two party system thing. <laughs> and so well, I think, yeah. well, because because it's 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 changed and evolved since his time, um, and it's just such a team mentality. This is my team. I support my team. Um, you know what I mean. And so you end up with people who, even though they are Republican and they vote Republican, and they see the Republicans aren't doing the right things. They just think that they just need the next Republican. You know what I mean? Right. Or the Republicans will we'll, we'll figure it out because it's this is you know whatever. But, but and, and, and here's the thing. I said the same thing about the Democrats. Like, they're not doing well enough. Let's primary them out, right? So that is, that's not necessarily the most flawed mentality. The, but the flaw in that mentality is that party does nothing for you ever. Like, ever. Unless you are in the top 1% or you are a massive donor to them, which means you're probably in the top 1%. The Republican Party isn't doing anything to protect you. They don't protect gun rights. They don't protect abortion. They don't do anything that's, like sets your soul on fire but they do everything to damage your wallet and put that on fire right so at no point is the republican party rewarding their constituents for keeping them in power whereas the democrats are doing enough but like it, it's not it's not full throttle so you don't feel the impact quite as is it doesn't reverberate quite as much so therefore you then take that step back and go well this isn't good enough like me Right. I voted for Biden. I'm, I'm a supporter of the, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And I'm very critical of, you know, Biden isn't doing well enough with this, this and this. He's doing great with this, this and this. But when people hear me from the Republican side, when I talk with people on Facebook or in person or whatever about this isn't good, should have voted for Trump. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? That is not the argument we are having. Right. It's holding everyone accountable, but that it's only happening on one side. Right. And those that did flock over the, the Lincoln project, the, the Steve Schmitz of the world who said, yeah, the Republican Party is gone. They don't stand for anything anymore. You know, that that's been a deterioration since Reagan. Everyone wants to, you know, make it a, a you know, Reagan was the savior of this of this country because he, you know, spoke so eloquently and he had the, you know, city, shiny city shining on a hill or whatever, you know, he didn't do anything for this country. He introduced trickle down economics. I have, yeah. I, that, that's an, I, it's interesting that you brought that up. Cause I was talking with somebody about, um, gosh, about presidents the other day. Um, yeah. actually a, a fellow, a fellow bartender, uh, from yeah. a different restaurant. And she was telling me that her favorite president of all time, um, was Ronald Reagan. And I was kind of like, I had to take a second to reflect because I said, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, did he do anything really great? Did he well, do no, anything? She was, raised, like she was raised in a white suburban household in, in the Chicagoland area, most likely. Uh, no. No. Okay. So the reason I say that is because he was very, very well respected by whites that were generally Christian faith, middle-class America, thinking he was doing them a real solid with you know his moves. But what did he actually do? He instituted trickle-down economics. Reaganomics was one of the biggest issues with this country. He ran up the deficit for the first time. Like he was one of the big runners you know, with the deficit, absolutely torched it, right? in efforts to cut taxes for corporations in the ultra wealthy in America, including himself. So then we have also, you know, his efforts with, uh, with the drug, you know, the drug cartels and, and say, don't do drugs and don't do this. And then he's, you know, funneling that money back into American and arms races and shit like that. And then you also have his, you know, his dealing with the AIDS epidemic. He didn't like him. He didn't, he didn't like gays. He didn't want there to be this national, 
you know, the CDC stepping in to do what it needed to do, right? It was very Trumpian, right? Trump didn't want, you know, the, the issue to, you know, influence his political standing. So he tried to quiet down the CDC and it cost American lives. Very similarly, the AIDS epidemic in America. The CDC was trying to provide guidelines and trying to figure this shit out. And Reagan was telling them, no, quiet, stay back. Okay. Yeah, I just thought Let it was. It I, I, thought, out. I thought it was. I just thought it was interesting. Um, that's, Reagan. Reagan was the was the beginning of the downfall of American economics. Well, and it's just weird too because it's not the first time I've heard that. And like Reagan, Reagan. Sorry, guys, I haven't slept well, <laughs> and I worked like sixteen hours yesterday. Um, I just don't like. He he doesn't even crack my top twenty, top thirty even. No, he's no. So, and there's been 45 presidents. So he's in the bottom third. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, yeah, definitely. I would put him in the bottom right. third. I'd have to and, really and think. I'd talking, have to really, really think about, about it. Presidents that are above him that were probably slave owners. That's how low he is on the totem pole. Yeah, I mean, I would go based on policy and based on the merits. But I mean, that's yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And it's kind of, uh, well, it's interesting to think of it that way. That's for sure. Um, right. But we'll have to do. We'll do, we can do a whole another. We can do an aftermath on uh, top uh, top twenty favorite presidents and why. Or we can even do a regular podcast on that. That would be fun. Yeah, we can do a regular one. That I think I think we should do a regular podcast on on top. We, we'd have to limit it down because we you know we're trying to stick in that forty five minutes to an hour zone. I would I would have a hard time. So like thinking of ten presidents that were great for this country. Do you want to do top five? Top five would be fine, but we'll, we'll do top five I, I presidents, agree. and then I also top ten would be very difficult. Yeah, I also think we need to do a um, a full podcast on immigration because we did talk about that a little bit today, and I think it came up in one of our last five podcasts, probably more. But. Yeah, because you know I, I'm I'm and I'm 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 very critical of of the Democratic Party, just like I was with the Republican Party. I think a lot of people you know, or you were always trying to balance me or like whatever people were, you know, might've given us feedback like, Oh, Brian, all you do is rip on Trump. And it's like, no, I rip on anyone that is making the guiding influences that I don't like the, the, the choices that they make, they need to be held accountable for. And yeah, good pat on the back. You know, you did a good job with this. All right. Now moving on, we're missing the, the, the point, you know, in ABC, we need to address those now. Like, if the moment we start to relax is the moment we start to fall into these massive traps, right? Like, like a Reaganomics where we're like, Oh, this is good. This is helping innovation. Like, no, it's not. It's just spreading out the wealth gap. And like, we're so far behind where we should be. Right. That it, it, there's no time to relax. And what I mean by that is we're falling so far behind in the wealth gap. We're falling behind in the, you know, the climate change, uh, you know, accords and like where we should be with climate change. We're falling behind, you know, in terms of handling the pandemic with 510,000 people who have died in the last year, et cetera. We're, we fall behind and then we're in crisis mode. We need to start stepping up with each crisis and moving forward quickly. We, yeah, so we need to be more, me, really, more proactive, less reactive. Yeah, we, we, we are the richest country in the world. We are you know, one of the largest land masses in the world. We have one of the largest populations in the world. We have some of the most innovative companies in the world. And that's why America's the best. No, it's it's a joke how little we do with all of these things, right? If If other countries, because of their political systems, if other countries had this amount of land, this amount of natural resources, this amount of technology, this amount of financial resources at the like at their disposal do you realize how much further ahead sweden you know norway france germany how much further ahead they would be because i mean i guess yeah systems, their political systems work for the people not a corporation not the richest people yeah. it works for everyone yeah it's an interesting thought you know what i mean um I think something that could be debated for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, it reminds me of a, an Uncle Ben quote from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think uh, what you're getting at here is we're just not 
being very responsible with our power and with the capabilities that we have. And I, I, w- I would definitely agree with you to a certain extent, for sure. Um, I wouldn't, you know, argue it too passionately. Um, I do think that, I, I mean, we say this all the time, but I do think that, you know, we do live in the best country in the world. Um, I think that we just have some uh, some growing pains and some faults that we need to fix, for sure. So, so my one thing with that is <clears throat> we have all of this at our disposal, right? And, and this is why I say these things. It's not to be the eternal pessimist when it comes to politics. It's to hold ourselves accountable. It's to, to help people recognize. I, I was arguing with someone. They were you know, saying that the minimum wage shouldn't be 15 because they make $16 an hour and they've been doing the same thing for 13 years. And I'm like, well, that's very unfortunate that you think other people shouldn't get paid because you don't think you're paid well enough, right? Yeah. Well, it's, you don't it's feel counterintu- you're counterintuitive well to their own, their own point. Exactly. And I said, when you... When you raise the water, all boats rise. So when you put money in the middle and lower classes pockets, everything gets better, right? And that's why this was so important for the stimulus package. That's why raising the minimum wage has to happen, right? The minimum wage in, in you know, that inclusion in the stimulus package wasn't going to say by 2022. It was for over four years. By 2025, yeah. It should be a $15 an hour. You can't live in most places in the United States, and I would say pretty much anywhere, a minimum wage. Yeah. Anywhere you go, you shouldn't, you cannot work 40 hours a week with two weeks of vacation every year and live anywhere. And that's unfortunate. Living in the richest country in the world. And God forbid you have anything happen to you medically. So this is the issue. and, And this is why. I say the things I do. I'm not some like social, you know, socialist, communist freak. Like, I just think we have the potential to do so much for everyone. Everyone could do better. And when you lift, you know, the water levels, all boats rise. Like, I am a firm believer in that. I was like that when I was a teammate. Like, it did me no good to sit and do all these extra hours of practice and get better as an an individual. Like, it would help a little bit. But if I could get everyone to buy in and everyone do a little bit more, man, think of the potential then, right? Everyone is getting better. So when you do what's best for the individual and the group, we see the best outcome. So we need to start doing that. And we have people saying this, right? We have the Bill Gates, Mark Cubans, Warren Buffett saying, yeah, the tax code's broken. It, it unequivocally benefits me more than anyone else. But they're not going to just say like, "Hey, here's my money, just throw it away." No, they well, say everyone, the everyone wants to preach. Everyone, everyone wants to preach nice things, but not everybody wants to put their money where their mouth is. But that, but why should they? They shouldn't well, have to. They do philanthropic efforts. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, and they'll abide. I know. I understand. Right. So we have to do these things, and this is why, you know, when I say, "Oh, well, this is a great stimulus package. This is this is a fantastic advancement." People are going to get money where they really need to. But $12, 12 billion, look at it this way. They saved by cutting out you know, certain individuals, right? By lowering the target points from 100000 to 75000 from 200000 to $150,000. Do you know how much money they saved? Me? No. $12 billion. Mm. That's it. And a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, they were able to absolutely devastate certain individuals for the cost of 12 billion dollars that is a drop in the bucket there was absolutely no point yeah they could build a couple of like uh super carriers for that i think it's like one point something billion to build one of those so i mean boom military power brian no 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 no, no. <laughs> that's way more expensive is you're it? talking trillions is it is it right? trillions really what can I, you do? I think the f-35 was somewhere around like 100 billion dollars mm. And that's just an F-35, right? The, the plane that doesn't really work. A billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The, you the know, they, projected they, they, lifetime cost of an F-35 is $1.7 trillion. Nice. Yeah. Well, they so, can get that $12 billion to the Mad Libs uh, podcast. Well, and it's, we could do a lot well, of good exactly. with that. No, so so it, you, you said that in, in a joking fashion, but think of how impactful 
twelve you billion know, thousands dollars. Thousands of dollars are for people like you and I. Yeah. Right. And that's what the Republicans did here is they robbed only twelve billion dollars from the entire one point nine trillion dollars. But there were many, many people who thought, oh, thank God, I'm going to get some help, some relief in this very difficult time. But no, they made 70, they made $84,000. Now they're not getting anything, right? Well, I think the, uh, the thing to take away from this is um, remember that we hold the power to make change. Um, right. And, and we need to remember that when we vote, we need to remember that in our everyday life, in our everyday actions. Um, you know, and this stimulus package was great for people that need the money. It should have gone to more people. Um, and keep that in mind as the midterms come up um, in the next, what, two years now? Yeah. So keep that in mind. Or the next year, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Go so out keep and get out mind. and vote. What, what party was actively working for you? What party was not? And not even just part. I, I, and see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, change that slightly. I would say look sure. at the people that are helping and look at the people who are detrimental to your well-being. Yeah, yeah. Boom, roasted. We all, Brian, we are approaching the hour, my friend. It, it's crazy how much time flies because I just want so much interaction with both you and the audience. I'm, I just enjoy this so much. I, I know, you know, people like Maureen or Pete or, you know, Danielle, like we're getting all these listeners that are just chiming in and, yeah, and they're and actually telling their friends, right? And this is how the community grows. Yeah. And I want, you know what, and actually, and while you're shouting out people, I want to shout out Albert. Albert, yeah. you're the man. Uh, you increased your Patreon donations, oh, and that geez. is so awesome. And I had a really great conversation oh, with him at the restaurant the other day, and it was, yeah. So we appreciate you and uh, all of you guys. We appreciate all of you guys. You guys are the yeah. best. I'm super excited about this week coming up. Uh, Brian and I will be able to actually record in person again. I'm so excited to see your beautiful yeah. face uh, and to have uh, – even better conversations. Yeah. Um, and thank you to everybody too for bearing with us as we uh, did this remote recording. Uh, sorry for any glitchy noises or weird, you know what I mean, tweaks and twerks with the podcast, but we appreciate you guys always listening and staying so loyal to us. We will remain to stay loyal to you. And uh, Brian, I love you. Audience, love you. I love you. You guys are the best. And we will see you guys on the next one. Do good. Be great. Love you. Lead with empathy. <laughs> Well, guys, we're here. We've made it to the end. Wait, 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 Kevin, Kevin. We got to thank our sponsors. What sponsors? Well, we, we haven't gotten any official sponsors yet, but we do have Patreons. Oh. And we should let people know that they can join our Patreon for subscribing from 5 to 10 to $20. Any amount helps. Yeah, thanks to all of our Patreon subscribers. If you guys don't want to do a monthly subscription, you can also support us by buying some of our awesome clothing at madlibspodcast.threadless.com and that's a win win win, win. <laughs> also if you guys uh, wouldn't mind we would love for you to follow us on our Facebook page and oh. our Instagram thank you thank you